You know, it's no accident that, that all of us are here. And God, looking down today, knows our hearts better than we know ourselves. And he knows the specific needs and the problems that each of us have uh, deep down in our hearts. And so I think it's important that we really turn this over to him and to ask him to teach us. He's the only one that can really do what's needed deep down inside of us. Otherwise, we could just sit here and hear some words that might sound very nice to, to us and go home and be no different. So let's, let's ask God to do something in each of our hearts. Father, we thank you that you brought us here, that you love us with perfect love. You have demonstrated it to us by the supreme sacrifice of your son. And if you spared not your own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall you not freely give us all things? And we believe that in you is the answer to our heart needs for every deep need inside of us. And we pray today that you would take your word and that you would draw back the blinds from our eyes so we can see you in a new way. And that something would happen in our hearts that's more than a temporary emotion, but that in a new way, in the days ahead, we would seek you in your word and make you the major pursuit of our lives and cause your love to be the most intimate and satisfying love that we have. Our, our eyes are upon you to do this. In Jesus' name, amen. My subject today is enjoying God's love anew. You might call it on being somebody. Because the idea of having a constant, wonderful love to rely on closely corresponds with the idea of being sure that we are somebody. You've probably heard the song, You're Nobody Until Somebody Loves You. And it's a very conscious quest in this day and age. Who am I? What am I like? How can I be assured inside all the time that I am a person that's worthwhile and significant and loved? It's the quest of our young people that they're on. In fact, I believe it's the main quest that everybody is pursuing in life. Now, on this matter of needing love and finding inner sense and assurance that we are worthwhile people through love, there are two ways of doing it. There's the world's way and there's God's way. Probably most of us have already begun to taste of his love but you know the big problem in our lives is that often we revert, we revert back to the world's way. Maybe not in obvious ways that we think are bad, but in this deep inner quest of our heart, we so easily revert to the world's way. Well, the world tries to gain it on their own by proving that they themselves are somebody. And they basically try to gain it in the mirror of how other people feel about them. We can't cross our eyes and look at ourselves and see ourselves, what we're like. Um, so we need mirrors. I'm sure each of you looked in the mirror this morning. At least you look like you looked in the mirror this morning. <laughs> you look pretty good. Because physically, we have to look into a mirror to see if we look all right. And spiritually or psychologically, too, we have to look into a mirror to be reassured about who we are. And the world's way is to look into the mirror of other people's responses and through the approval of trying to gain a feeling of being all right as persons. God's way is to look in the mirror of his love as revealed in Scripture for our constant sense of support. 
But if we're living on a natural plane, we try to gain a feeling of being all right as people by the love we can win. And we're constantly throwing out our baits to get love from people, to lure them to love us. We do this in three ways. Approval by appearance, approval by performance, and approval by status. We could spend an hour discussing these three. Appearance. The little girl learns just by being a cute little blonde thing that she gets lots of smiles. And if her needs are not met on deeper levels, she may grow up with an inordinate desire to look good. She may spend hours and vast sums of money that she can't even afford, preoccupied with her physical appearance because her primary ego support comes from the approval she gets for her appearance. Many of the rest of us who aren't as well endowed still try. And if it's not there, it can be a continual downer. Approval by appearance. Approval by performance. We all want to be a success at something. And that's not wrong in and of itself. But why are we doing it? To be seen? To be known? To gain approval from people? To fill some inner void? Approval by appearance, by performance, and by status. How important am I? How important is my husband? How upset do I get when some, someone passes me up or passes him up? Or when you don't get the recognition you think you deserve? Or when he doesn't? Or how elated that you are when there's a promotion? We could go on and on as to how we rely on these things. But the problem is that when we fail to gain people's uh, approval or when we're afraid that they're going to disapprove, some bad things start to happen in our hearts. And some destructive emotions can take over that are harmful to us and to all our relationships. Defenses. Someone has threatened my feeling of being all right as a person, so I immediately want to protect myself through hostility or through guilt self-reproach and condemnation, or through anxiety. These are defenses that we try to build protections around ourselves so we won't be hurt by these people, so we can gain the feeling of being all right. Hostility. You know how that is designed to protect me? I'm going to teach that other person not to do it again. Someone else has let me down. They have failed to give me the inner support that I need. I I struggle with this all the time. I worked all day long and my husband Warren comes home and doesn't even notice whatever. So I'll just show him. If he's not going to support me by showing appreciation, I won't cook a very good supper tonight. Or I'll give him the silent treatment. I'm going to teach him somehow somehow how not to do it again. We do it in so many ways. Either we blow up or we just go around for half a day with a mental argument, raging about all they should have done differently. These are hostilities. And the reason they arise is because we want to teach the other person, or at least we want to let them know how it feels. They have threatened us, and now we're going to give them a taste of their own medicine because in doing this, we've sort of regained something. Or fleshly guilt. 
I should have done better, so I'll condemn myself. I'll tell myself off. I'll reject myself. And if I do it long enough, maybe I'll change. Or at least I'll feel I felt bad enough, long enough to repay my sins and to regain some sense of worthiness again. Or anxiety. Just inner gnawing. I found that every time I feel anxious, I can trace it back to the fact that I have let my inner life somehow revert to resting on man's approval instead of God's. I used to do it by whether I was a success at a mother before the kids left home. One spring I was going through a period of tremendous anxiety about the children and me and Brian was facing spiritual doubts that were just traumatic and my daughter Doreen was facing being completely left out of school and I thought these problems if they're not solved can have real repercussions and I'd pray about them and then I'd get anxious all over again and I'd go to bed at night and cast my care on him all, and all the anxiety would just flood back and I thought, what's the matter? I used, it used to seem so simple for me to cast my care on my Savior and now I'm so anxious and I can't shake it. And you know what he showed my, me was the matter? I was afraid of what people would think of my performance as a mother. Not right now, but at some dis misty, distant future day, at some future date. If these things weren't dealt with and Brian went through a long period of straying with the Lord, I was thinking, and, and by the way, this is me, I did go through a long period of straying with, from the Lord years later. And here was her commitment long before. If things aren't dealt with and Brian went through a long period of straying from the Lord and my number one responsibility as a mother is him and my daughter, everyone would know I was a failure. And I didn't even have a husband anymore to share the blame with. And so I had to tell the Lord, Lord, forgive me because I am letting my success as a mother and what people think of me as a mother be my God. Forgive me, Lord. I want you alone to be my God. And you're not condemning me. I just told the Lord, 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 if it's going to bring more glory to your name for my children to go through a period when it looks like I'm a failure as a mother, for them in the long run to know you better and to bring greater glory to your name, I give you permission. So my success was out of the way. And then with confidence and godly concern, I could pray, Lord, those children are yours. Whatever, by whatever path necessary, I'll claim that their lives would bring glory to your name. And I could pray with faith because I wasn't resting my inner being anymore on what people thought of me as a mother. And God had permission to do what he wanted to do with my children. And so it is that as we rest our inner being on God, then he deals with our hostility. He deals with our self-reproach. He deals with our anxiety. You see, then the negative emotions, which are like, like acid that eat away at our soul, are neutralized as we orient ourselves around God's love and God's approval, which is freely given us in Christ.
This is why it's so important that we orient our inner being around God and his love instead of trying to get our needs met on a human level. Oh, we get plenty of satisfactions on the human level, but he wants his love to be the cake and the others are the frosting. They're evidences of his love, but they're not to be relied upon. I'm not to rely on myself, and I am not to rely on people for my inner support. He wants to be first in our lives, not to make us miserable, but to make us complete. Colossians 2, 9 and 10, you have been made complete in him. You will never feel complete as a person until you let him be your number one person. Psalm 84, 11, the Lord God is a sun and a shield. He is a sun so the warmth of his love can shine in and fill our hearts. And he's a shield to protect us so we don't have to do it ourselves. We don't need our own miserable defenses. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. And we want to find favor and honor in men when we have it in him. The only one in the universe whose opinion matters. Oh Lord, I just want you to be sovereign, to be king, to be the number one person in my life. I wouldn't have it any other way but for you to be first. Because your loving kindness is better than life. Psalm 63, 3. Every new step of submission is like putting, pulling up another shade in your heart, rolling it up so the sunshine can come in. In the Song of Solomon, it says, your love is better than wine. Wine gives a warm feeling on the inside. And some people drink because they don't feel good about themselves on the inside as a person. And with wine, they gain confidence. And, uh, but the problem is all these crutches have side effects. And in the end, it can't really help you cope with life. But God's love is better than wine. And it gives a more wonderful feeling on the inside. There are many circumstances in life that make us need to let him love us. Some of you may have lost your husband. You may be separated from your husband or wife. Some of you may have children who are no longer meeting the love needs that they used to meet, or maybe they never did. Or maybe they used to think you're wonderful and now they think you're dumb. Many, many circumstances of life show us our love needs and you can turn around and let him fill your heart. Isaiah 41, 13. I, the Lord, will hold your right hand, whispering, fear not, I will help you. Oh, thank you, Lord, for lovingly holding my right hand and leading me, oh, my sovereign husband. Isaiah 43, 4, you are precious in my eyes and honored, and I love you. Oh, Lord, that's quite a mouthful. Precious, like a precious stone, valuable, that brings the delight to its owner. You mean I'm precious in your eyes and honored? Honored? 
You're honored in my eyes, but me in your eyes? Yes, I've lifted up you to be in my family, a princess, a queen. You're honored in my eyes because you belong to my son. And I love you. Do you let him tell you that he loves you? This is part of allowing him to be sovereign over us and in us and through us, that we allow his love to captivate us. You know, when his love finds the right place in our hearts and when we partake of it day by day and really let him through the scriptures reveal what he thinks of us, something happens to those hostilities, that guilt, those anxieties. They instinctively rise up to protect us like, like, like the man might put on an overcoat to protect himself from the wind. And these hostilities are like an overcoat. And the harder the wind blows and the storm of people's anger or whatever, the tighter we pull it around us. Remember the old fable when the wind and the sun had an argument who'd get the coat off a man the fastest? The wind blew and blew and he pulled the coat tighter till, until it was the sun's turn. And as it shone, the man loosened the coat. And as it shone some more, he unbuttoned it. And as it shone some more, he finally took it off. And it's the sunshine of God's love that make us not need these negative emotions and reactions. Why not let him love you? Something else happens when we let him be sovereign inside. We have a new strength. You know the strength that comes when someone loves you and believes in you and you can face anything in life. There's a strength within that comes from the loving presence of God that's greater than any other strength For those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Isaiah 40, verse 31. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not be faint. Another translation says they will exchange strength. Instead of their own puny strength to face life, they get his. And this word, wait upon the Lord, could be translated, they that entwine their hearts with the Lord. Taking time in his presence, and when you get a good look at him, you can't help but entwine your heart with him a little more. Just the intricate entwinement of one heart with another that comes when there's someone so wonderful as he as you go, grow to get to know him better. They that entwine their hearts with the Lord shall exchange strength. And to do this, you must submit to his sovereignty, his indomitable love. You must let him touch you, penetrate deep into your inner being. And to those who submit to his sovereignty, Deep down inside comes the ability to submit to his sovereignty on the outside to other circumstances. He loves us. I wish there were time to go into the scriptures on this. We can only learn it as we let God directly communicate it to our hearts. 
Again, he communicates his love indirectly through people. And yes, initially, even as we go along, we see his love through people. God has brought many people into most of our lives who in one way or another reveal the love of God to us. But he wants us to be in orbit around his love primarily. And as much as we can, directly. And he communicates it through Scripture by the Holy Spirit, who Paul says sheds his love abroad in our hearts. Psalm 63.3 in the Moffat translation says, Your love is more than life to me. Therefore, my lips praise you. My soul clings close to you. Your right hand holds me fast. Talk about a feeling of closeness and belongingness that can cure the wound of our loneliness. Psalm 84, I'm going to test you. Did you really let it sink in when I shared it before? Let me say it again. The Lord God is a sun and shield. He's a sun to warm our hearts with his love and a shield to protect us. And we do not need for our survival visible acceptance or approval. And we do not need our defenses. God is a sun and a shield. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. He has a good plan for us. Doesn't matter if, humanly speaking, it has status in it or not. What difference does that make? God says there's no such thing as status in his eyes. He has his Esthers, Queens, and he has his Dorcases, just able to sow. And he commended them both. Doesn't matter what our function and our gifts is. He loves us individually. He created and uniquely fashioned each one of us for himself. And he didn't make a pattern and say, this is it. No, he wanted a variety of people because our love each satisfies him in a different way. Your time of love with him, when you respond to his love, to, uh, in, 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 you respond in love to him, satisfies him in a different way than mine does, as it will for all eternity. We are uniquely precious to it in his eyes and honored. His love is not just for mankind as a mass but for each of us. And he has no preference for any certain shape or size or features or color or anything. He loves us each unconditionally and individually. Psalm 27, 4. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that I will seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. And so you say, Lord, you love me so and you're so wonderful and I love you and there's nothing I want out of life more than to behold your beauty and to meditate in your temple so I can get to know you better and experience your love uh, more and more deeply. One thing. Psalm 73, 25. And this, by the way, was her life verse. Whom I have, have I in heaven but you? 
and apart from you I desire nothing on earth. My flesh and my heart will fail. This will happen in one form or another all through life. Even when we do actually fail and go back to the pride system momentarily of finding our identity in what we do or by what they say. But we can come right back and confess it and let the Lord love us. God is the strength of my life and my portion forever. I have a love that's lifelong, that's eternity long, and it will never quit. And God may give human loves, and he may take away loves that I have found great joy in, but the deepest love is his. There's a song that says, Jesus, thou joy of loving hearts, thou fount of life, thou light of men, from the best bliss that earth imparts, we turn unfilled to thee again. Life brings joys and loves. Marriage in God's plan can bring deep satisfactions. But the heart that has tasted God's love will er always turn back from the best bliss that earth imparts unfilled to him again because only his love can meet our deepest needs. I'd better stop, she said. But she couldn't stop. (laughs) So here's what she goes on to say. But increasingly, as we take in the love of God, some of those old patterns of living, those old symptoms begin to fall off, just like the new leaves in the spring push off the old dead leaves. We find ourselves reinforced within by the love of God, just like steel runs through concrete. And oh, life takes on such a different light if we're receiving everything from him. Instead of trying to get people to meet our needs, we can then give to people. We can love them, whether they're being nice to us or not, because we've got something that's always meeting our needs. We can be channels of the love of God. We're not meant to be producers of love. We just cannot produce this kind of exotic, wonderful love that God gives. But we can channel it. And we don't channel it like a pipe. Water goes through a pipe and it doesn't affect the pipe much. We, we, uh, but that's not what it's like with God's love. We channel God's love like a river. And if the river is dried up, The rains come and then the spring waters flow and there's saturation on the riverbed and then there's overflow and saturation and overflow. And as we let God's love saturate us, then there's overflow. And we can channel his love to others. So, What's the object of your lifelong quest? Is it God who is love? Who are we? We're loved ones. We're kings and queens of the supreme ruler of all who's fairer than the sons of men. Psalm 45, 3. Yeah, you're nobody 
until somebody loves you. But you are somebody because somebody with a capital S loves you. And he's the only one in the universe whose opinion matters. Let's pray together. Again, this is what she prayed at the beginning. Father, we thank you that you brought us here, that you love us with perfect love. You have demonstrated it to us by the supreme sacrifice of your Son. And if you spared not your own Son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall you not freely give us all things? And we believe that in you is the answer to our heart needs for every need inside of us. And we pray that you would have taken your word and that you would draw back the blinds from our eyes so that we can see you in a new way and that something would happen in our hearts that's more than a temporary solution, but that in a new way in the days ahead, we would seek you in your word and make you the major pursuit of our lives, the cause of your love to be most, the most intimate and satisfying love that we have. Our eyes are upon you alone to do this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.